This episode of Stripe It Like It's Hot is brought to you by Stencil Plus. We all need stencils in our life. Why would you go anywhere else? Stencil Plus has a huge online inventory. They'll custom make any stencil you need. They have incredible customer service, hilarious videos on their social media, and free shipping to the lower 48 states. It's a no-brainer. Visit stencilplus.com. Welcome to the Stripe It Like It's Hot podcast with your host, Cam Roberts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode one of Stripe It Like It's Hot. We made it. Thank you so much for lending your ears to episode one. And thank you. To, I just couldn't believe the response. when It was just a short time ago I announced this podcast. And I couldn't believe the amount of messages and, and people who were really excited, looking forward to it. Uh, people that I know, but even from people that I don't know who were very intrigued and looking forward to a podcast for their industry. So I, that kind of affirms to me, I think this is a great way to connect people within the pavement marking industry. So I'm really looking forward to it, man. There's going to be a great way to connect the people, share knowledge, get people uh, some tips, tricks, tech information, how to run a line painting business, how to get line painting clients, what brand of paint smells the best, all that good stuff. We're going to go through it all. So I could not be more thankful that you are lending your time and listening in. So episode one, this is going to be pretty low key episode one. It's going to be just me here. Uh, I don't, the truth is I really don't want to talk about myself. <laughs> However, I would probably be a little remiss if I at least didn't tell you guys uh, who I am, where I come from. But going forward in the next few weeks and as the show progresses, Pretty great things are in the pipeline. Like I am, I am determined to bring value to people who are in this industry. So I'm going to do that by bringing on some people who have a lot of experience, but also we've, I've even had some interest expressed from people on the manufacturing side of the industry. So uh, equipment and paint. So that's going to be a super cool opportunity for you guys, and honestly, even for me, to learn a little bit more about some different kinds of equipment that are being used within the industry. And uh, also, small spoiler, it's also going to be an awesome giveaway. I'm just working out a detail on it right now, so stay tuned in the next couple episodes, and uh, more info will come on a pretty great giveaway that anyone in this industry can be a part of. So stay tuned for that. I'll keep you posted. So my name is Cam Roberts. I currently live in a beautiful city called Prince George. It's in British Columbia, Canada, on the planet Earth. So if you don't know where that is, Canada is, of course, a country just above the United States. And British Columbia is the westernmost province in our country. So I'm very close to the Pacific Ocean, about an eight-hour drive away. And I happen to be kind of in the dead center of the province so if you were at the Washington border in a car, if you drove about eight, nine hours north, you'd kind of end up in the middle of British Columbia, and that's where you would find Prince George. So I quite like it here. I am the owner of a line painting company that is called Laser Line Painting. And I started the business 
in my old hometown, which is even more north than where I am now. And that's kind of where the whole journey began. So I'll just talk about how I got into the industry. And this, I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people in a, in a similar way as to how they got in the industry and maybe, uh, maybe get some people thinking about how they could get a start in it as well. So Fort St. John's, small town. It's about 20, 25,000 people. Uh, I was born in Vancouver, but that's where I grew up. So one of the first main and serious jobs I had up there was I took a job in the maintenance department at the main shopping mall in Fort St. John. All in all, I was there for about four years. Uh, started out kind of at the bottom, but after a little while, a couple of years, I worked my way up to becoming the maintenance manager there. And uh, very early on, before I was the maintenance manager, I remember an incident where we tried to hire a pavement marking person, a pavement marking company for some work at the property. Now, just a quick, quick background on the mall itself. So Fort St. John, it's very much an oil and gas town. It's uh, a lot of traffic in and out of the bush and dirty places. So by nature, the town itself is a pretty uh, dusty, dirty, muddy town. And the thing about the shopping mall is it was a pretty old building. It was built in the early 1980s, I do believe. And unfortunately, it was <laughs> the lowest elevation point in the city, quite noticeably. So a combination of an area where there's a ton of high wind, lots of dirt, lots of mud, and the fact that it all kind of circled into the mall, which was the lowest elevation, kind of made for a parking lot that got degraded very quickly. And when you're in a small town in, in a northern, you know, remote community, you don't have a lot of options for asphalt maintenance. So it's safe to say by the time I started working there in around 2010 or so, uh, the asphalt was getting pretty beat up. And so pavement markings and traffic paint didn't really stick so well to the parking lot. Now, the parking lot was actually quite big, uh, actually very, very big. I don't know the exact square footage, but it's probably in the neighborhood of half a million square feet or so. So there was lots of lots of room for parking. So between all those kind of factors, the the shopping mall never actually installed pavement markings, which you know is going to blow a lot of people's mind, especially if you're in a big city where, you know, it's often regulated to have parking stalls and other paint markings on your property there. We really didn't do that at the mall in Fort St. John, especially because there was only one provider. So when I was there shortly after, as it turns out, we did hire that one provider for a small part of a uh, small part of the parking lot. Anyways, it certainly wasn't a big project. So I wasn't directly involved with the hiring of that contractor, but I do remember a lot of difficulties hiring him. I, I, if I recall, I think the work that he did was actually okay. I think the work turned out fine, but I do remember hearing about how much it cost to have that little bit of work done. And it just kind of dawned on me right there, even at a young age, because I would have only been 20 years old or so. But I realized very quickly that, you know what? There's probably a major opportunity for somebody to get into that industry up here, especially because there's only one provider. So, I mean, all these parking lots all have paint markings, at least to some degree. And the math just made sense that, you know, there's probably a need for somebody else. So I had the idea way back in 2010, but I sat on that idea for a long time. So I eventually I ended up leaving the mall 
the uh, company I worked for sold the property and uh, they gave me a little severance to stay to the end. And then I took up a, a job and a career in the glass trade. Uh, I worked for a, a really great company that I still really appreciate and respect to this day. Now at the time, I, I loved working there so much I was totally prepared to uh, spend a long time there. That's kind of why I took the job is I, I, I saw that they were growing, they were taking on uh, more work and I want, kind of wanted to be a part of that that growing company. And I just, I fell in love with the glass trade. I, I kind of found my niche in the, in the automatic door side of things, a uh, little bit of commercial installation of glass and glass products too. So that was going good. I worked there for again, about, you know, five years or so. Um, but I had an incident there in February of 2018 that kind of reset the game for me a little bit mentally. So February 5th, 2018, that's a day that I will certainly never forget. And of all the things that happened on that day, I still think the thing that I remember the most about that day was the sound. So I was upstairs in the morning. Uh, I was upstairs working at the table saw, cutting some templates for some glass products. I think we were doing a, we were doing a new elementary school and it had this beautiful glass staircase uh, railing system. So when you have complicated pieces of glass like that, we often would cut templates out of thin pieces of wood, basically thin pieces of MDF. And then we'd send those templates off to our glass uh, manufacturer to make them for us to an exact size. So that's what I was doing. I was a little, uh, little freaked out that day because I was asked to kind of do that portion of the project by myself. But nonetheless, I was up there around nine o'clock in the morning and was singing my happy song, cutting those templates. When one of the pieces that I was cutting on the table saw, because it was so thin, it kind of slid under the fence of the table saw. The, the fence is the, the guide that guides your piece along. And I, I don't remember exactly what happened next. You know, I saw it go under the, 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 the fence of the guide of the table saw and get stuck a little bit. And I remember trying to gently get it out while the saw is running so I could finish the cut because the cut was nearly complete. So to this day, I don't know if I simply leaned in too far or if the piece that I was cutting kind of grabbed on the saw and threw me forward. But nonetheless, my left hand made some serious contact with that table saw blade. And it happens so fast that you, I'm sure this happens to many people who have an injury like that. You don't even really know what happens. It was so loud. And that's the sound that I remember. It was loud. It sounded like a piece of pipe went into the table saw, like a piece of metal got stuck in there. And it happened so fast. I had no idea what happened until I looked down and I, and I quickly saw and realized what happened. And I still remember looking down and even though I was by myself out loud, I said, Oh boy. <laughs> so at the time I didn't realize that the tip of my thumb was missing. But what I did see was to the kind of the inside of my index and middle finger. Somehow they were still attached, kind of. They were kind of just dangling there. That's as much uh, gory details I'll go in. But to make a really long story short, um, I ended up going obviously to the hospital and took a flight that day down to Vancouver so I could go see the finger surgeon specialist there. 
they weren't sure if they were going to be able to completely reattach or if I was going to be able to keep those fingers. They were, they're cut kind of at the mid knuckle, but nonetheless, the long story short is I did get to Vancouver and had a, had a procedure there, a pretty long one through the night and incredible doctors down at that, at that hospital, they were able to reattach and reconnect everything. And that put me on a, a pretty long recovery to try and get these fingers moving and mobile again. So when I got back to Fort St. John, we spent about five days down in Vancouver in the hospital, just uh, recuperating. I flew back to Fort St. John back home and obviously was off week for quite some time. I think all in all, it was about five weeks. And I remember I was chomping at the bit to get back to work, mostly because I felt so bad that I was here. I was, you know, messing time from, from an injury that I maybe could have prevented. But nonetheless, I was at home sitting with this big, massive club of bandages wrapped on my left hand and trying to make sure that my fingers were still getting blood circulation. And I was going to keep them and everything. And that's when it started happening. That's when the brain kind of started thinking a little bit. I think that's going to naturally happen to anybody who has some sort of, uh, you know, life life changing event, whether it's an injury or, or something changes in their life. You kind of start thinking about the bigger picture of things. Now, I was happy at the job I was at. I liked what I did, but I also realized that there was a chance I, I probably wouldn't be able to do exactly what I was doing before. And uh, well, needless to say, when I did go back eventually to the glass shop, I was kind of converted into the, uh, a more of a sales type position. But I just started thinking and I my mind went back to the, those days at the shopping mall and that that line painting incident we had. Now, at the time, we had two kids at home, uh, two little kids. They're around uh, one years old, three years old. We didn't have a ton of money because we were in their 20s and, you know, certainly not not well to do. But I remember talking to my wife about that idea. And I think I asked her, like, do you remember that line painting idea that I had, you know, years ago? And I think she, <laughs> I don't remember, but she probably rolled her eyes because at the time, I think I had 7,000 ideas of what to do for self-employment income. And we ended up talking about it. And you know what? Those five weeks that I spent off injured, I kind of just started to to make it happen. Um, I ended up making a website, picked a company name, which I still have to this day, Laser Line Painting. Made the website, made up some cards, and started phoning around some different companies, not in my immediate town, but in other bigger cities, just trying to find some equipment. Maybe I was, my goal was to find some used equipment that I could get my hands on, maybe just to get in a little bit cheaper. The other thing I did was I ordered a book that I still really respect to this day. In fact, I've actually recommended this book many, many times over the last few years to people who are looking to get into the industry. And that's a book by Dan Zercher called How I Stripe Parking Lots. And he just basically goes soup to nuts on how you get into this crazy world how you lay out a parking lot. He talks about uh, some of the different types of paint and equipment. Just a fantastic resource. If, if you don't know anything about the industry, it's a great book to start. So I had that book, made the cards, made the website, picked the name. And basically a few months later in May of 2018, I drove to Edmonton, Alberta and went to the Sherwin-Williams and I picked up a brand new Graco 3400. And just like that, I was off and running. So I certainly didn't quit my day job. I was still very much at the glass shop, um, 
doing less service work now, of course, because my fingers were still uh, still on the mend, but more of in a sales position. So what I did that first year was kind of crazy. I, I think a lot of people probably start this way is uh, you don't really have the, the clientele or you don't have the, you don't have the systems in place to just up and quit your job and start striping parking lots, especially in the part of the world where I was, where it snows half the year. So I stayed at the job at the glass shop and I would, I just started handing out these, these business cards and these flyers that I had made up basically on my way home from work. Like I'd drive by small, easy jobs, like a gas station or, you know, small hotel, something like that. And I would just be upfront with people. I'd say, you know, I have a, a new business. Here's what it is. Here's my flyer. Here's what I can do for you. And uh, call me if you need anything. And basically just, I mean, for lack of a better word, that's door knocking, commercial door knocking, and just trying to make something happen. And you know what? That first year, it really took off. Uh, probably a big reason why was just for the demand, for the simple fact that, you know, there was only one other company doing this service and there's no way that they could keep up with an entire city of 20,000 people. So it was a busy 2018, you know, trying to, trying to rehabilitate my, my injury, working full time, 40 hours a week at the glass shop. And then basically on evenings and weekends, I would go out and stripe parking lots. So I, I don't know if everyone else remembers their first time they touched the equipment or the first, first job they did. I will certainly never forget mine. A big reason why I even went and got the equipment was uh, the old shopping mall where I worked uh, way back when. After I had left, they had built a, a new addition to the mall. It was kind of this detached building with a few restaurants in it. And so because it was a new building, it had, of course, new asphalt and new pavement markings. So because it was a significantly newer part of the building, they were more inclined to keep up with those pavement markings because, uh, you know, it's a new, newer building and they wanted it to look good. So I was very grateful that uh, my old employer said, you know, I just mentioned to him that I was, here's this crazy business idea I was thinking of doing. And he said, you know what, if you get that equipment, you can come repaint the new building and, and all the paint markings there. And that was it, man. That was the, that was the affirmation to me to take with a little bit of money that we had, you know, with two young kids in our twenties and uh, my wife's encouragement to, to go and get it. And took off running. So that first year, uh, lots of time was spent evenings, weekends, painting overnight, some couple really crazy long days, you know, working at the glass shop, coming home, eating something really quick, and then running back out the door around eight, 9 PM painting till three or four in the morning sometimes. Uh, but that's, that's kind of how it starts for many of us. You know, you got to put in some, some goofy hours and some long days to, to try and make some stuff happen. So 20, at the end of 2019, uh, so pardon me at the end of 2018, um, you know, I went through the winter, of course, still had work at the glass shop. We do have an incredibly long winter up here in the North. So, I mean, it's like I said earlier, it's about six months of snow. So you can only get six or seven months of painting in, but I was secure because I had my job at the glass shop. So I worked there all winter and over the course of the winter, I would just, I would, I was trying to drum up some more work for next year, you know, 2019 with the painting. Uh, I was, you know, talking to some paving companies now trying to maybe get into some bigger projects. 
So by the time February, March came around, while the snow was finally starting to melt, I basically sat down and thought, man, there's no way I'm going to be able to do both again this year. There's no way I'm going to be able to stay full time, 40 hours a week, doing sales and service at the glass shop and then try and keep up with this this demand that was really starting to, to percolate in February and March. So once again, with my wife's encouragement, she's an incredibly supportive woman. And she said, well, if you've got the work, I think you, you probably know what to do. And so at the beginning of 2019, that was it. I gave my notice at the glass shop and April 1st, I became a 100% completely self-employed person which if, uh, if you've ever gone through that process, it's kind of a, it's a game changer. It melts your brain when you start going from being an employee to that first day when you're no longer an employee. Now you basically got to make it happen all yourself. So it was a little nerve wracking, but 2019 ended up being a good year. Uh, did really well with the paintings. I mean, didn't light the world on fire, especially being in a smaller, smaller town and a smaller part of the world, but had a, I had a ball doing it. I was a one-man show all of 2019. I was able to keep up by myself. And then at the end of that year, that's when we relocated as a family, my wife and two kids. We moved down south to where we are now, which is Prince George. My family's here in Prince George. I got my brother and uh, my sister-in-law and their two kids. And uh, I have two kids. So it just made sense for us to be closer together. And I also knew that there would be uh, I did my homework on this town. I knew there would be more opportunities here as well. A little more competitive. There were a few companies here that uh, that do paint, but nothing quite like what I wanted to build. I, I had a vision for uh, building a company that was very, very focused on pavement markings and line painting. There's a lot of companies that uh, offer line painting as kind of an add-on service or something that they do on the side. So I really wanted to come here and focus on being the, the pavement marking company for this area. So last year, uh, 2020, I had another crazy year. Things really, really took off last year. We added a, a few employees to the team. Even through the pandemic, I mean, it was a weird start for a lot of companies. I think a lot of people kind of hit the brakes last March and last April of 2020 when uh, there was a lot of uncertainty what was going to happen both whether you're you know, a business owner or maybe you're even an employee wondering like, is, is there going to be enough work? Nobody really knew what the pandemic was going to look like in April. But for us uh, and for what I've got going on here, ended up taking off, especially in the summertime. I mean, it was a little bit of a slower start in the spring, but once we hit June, July, and especially in August, that's when things went really, really crazy. Uh, we started working all over the province taking on some really cool projects and it set us up for a really crazy, well, hopefully it was going to be a really productive and crazy 2021 here in Prince George. So anyways, that's my story. That's how I got into it. You know, I, I love, I love the work. I love the equipment. I, I've, I've quickly fallen in love with everything about the industry. But one thing that I really am truly passionate about though, is helping other people get into it and helping people when they're starting, especially if you're a business owner. And that's why I've got started this podcast. I think this is going to be a, a fantastic way to get information out to some commonly asked questions for people, whether it's about uh, equipment, uh, what kind of paint to use, how to avoid problems, how to 
you know, utilize new equipment from these companies like Graco and Titan. So that's the goal of this podcast is to bring all that information together into one easily accessible place. So I'm really looking forward to including and incorporating as many uh, unique and uh, interesting and uh, people who've got some incredible information to share. And I know that this industry has a lot of them. So we won't be interviewing people. It's not an interview style podcast in that the entire thing will be an interview, but we'll, we're certainly going to bring in a lot of different people throughout the episodes. So I can't stress it enough. Please contact me if you have any interest in uh, collaborating and being on the show, then uh, go right ahead. Send me an email, cam at stripedpodcast.com. The other, the other group of people I'd really like to hear from, if you don't want to come on, that's fine. But I would love some content ideas. Now, I've got a giant list here going from uh, some of the people that I'm connected to. I reached out to them and asked uh, what they thought would be good, good ideas to put on the show. So we have some great things coming up. But if you have any specific questions or things you would like to hear talked about on the show... I will include that on the list. We'll make it into an episode and we'll be sure to include some other people from around around the world, really, who would be willing to come on the show and share their information. That's I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a big fan of the Internet for this very reason. I've been able to connect with some pretty awesome and interesting people within the industry literally all over the world. Um, Australia, I know there's a lot of fascinating companies and people down there so i've had some cool conversations with people in australia um, reached out to some people in the marking industry in mexico in africa um, there's some really cool things happening in europe if you go online instagram and facebook you can see some some pretty awesome companies in places like sweden so this is going to be a show to bring everyone together and talk about all things pavement marking no matter where we are so I would love to hear from you, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you guys some value on how to become a better striper, how to get involved in the industry, how to run a line painting business, and uh, you can join this crazy world of pavement marking too. And new episodes of the show will be coming out once a week on Mondays. That's going to be podcast day. So that's it for episode one. That's it. Now you know a little bit more about me. Uh, in the next couple weeks, oh, some great stuff is going to come, including that giveaway. Some more information on that. You don't want to miss that. So send me an email if you would like to be a part of the show or have ideas. Cam at stripeitpodcast.com. It's going to be great. Thank you so much. And keep your stripes hot.